Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 301. We are She Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Kupferman, and my co-host, a lovely bird in yellow today, Elsie Escobar. And today is not her birthday, but I thought it was. Hey, happy birthday. Yay. I do this every year, and I always think it's on the 8th and it's on the 6th. So I apologize. Cannot believe I did it again. I am a dick. But before we get into that, (laughs) happy birthday. Happy, 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 happy birthday. Uh, And then also, of course, our producer, John Jamingo. Hello, everyone. So before we pressed record, we were discussing an instance in the membership where someone asked a question about merch. What do you use for creating merch? And, you know, there were lots of answers because there are lots of answers. And someone posted a link to either an article or a tidbit of information that one of the answers, one of the companies, and I won't say who, um, supplied the T-shirts for the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. So in other words, like, we shouldn't use this. I mean, she didn't provide any commentary, just the simple information that that's where they bought the MAGA T-shirts was this company. And so people started to sort of jump on her back a little bit. And I, I you know, we, I, because we were recording, I just turned off the comments. We haven't really decided what we're going to do about it yet. But I kind of wanted to tell you what happened the other day. I sort of similar. And I want to see, Elsie, if you agree with what my approach was. This is a completely different situation, though. So it was in my my little boy's school, Little Einstein Academy. And my friend Brianna, and yes, she is my friend, but she's also like 30. But anyway, so she has been planning um, a fundraiser for the school. You call a restaurant you ask them if they're willing to donate a percentage of proceeds from specific people to the school. So like she made a commitment with Anthony's coal fire pizza and they're going to, you know, like this Wednesday, if you buy dinner from them, they will donate 20% back to the school. And they're going to use the money to give them little presents for poor, which is a holiday that's coming up. So she made a post about it in the group. Hey, don't forget to buy dinner this Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. And someone else posted a review from Yelp. No one else knew it was from Yelp. What she wrote was, this was just shared with me. And it was a one-star review from someone who had eaten in an Anthony's in a different town. And someone was anti-Semitic at the table, not a worker, but like a guest was saying anti-Semitic and white powery type things. And the customer who was Jewish complained to the managers who then didn't do anything because they didn't hear the person like I guess the complainer wanted them kicked out or whatever but they didn't kick the patrons out and therefore you know because a plus b always equals d Anthony's coal fire pizza supports anti-semitism and we shouldn't give them any business 
So first of all, first thing I did was look up where that review was because it was clearly not something that just someone shared with her. It was like from a site. So I looked it up and sure enough, it's like the most recent thing on Yelp. So I screenshot it with the person's name and where they live. And I post the whole thing. And I was like, if you're talking about this review, it was in Downingtown, which is an hour and a half away. And it wasn't any of the employees. And I'm just wondering exactly what purpose do you have for sharing this? Because she clearly already has a plan, a contract, a relationship, and you are now doing what exactly? She goes, I just wanted to pass along the information. I said, but to what end? Do you want us to find a different place to have our fundraiser? Should Brianna now call them and say, because of what happened in Downingtown, we can't do business? Like, what do you want exactly? Or are you just stirring shit? You know, and she ended up deleting her comment and all the subsequent comments, right? Which is me being like, what do you want done here? Like, why did you do this? She just ended up deleting it all and everything is proceeding as normal because it's stupid to take a stand against one chain somewhere else where something bad happened to a patron by another patron, not the customers. And is this sort of the same thing where, you know, support it? We're actually in another scenario, very similar to this, Elsie. And like, you know, where we have to patron patronize a company that supported people that we don't agree with, right? Like we are contractually obligated to do business with people that do business with people that we don't necessarily want to do business with, if that makes sense. And so even if it were Anthony's manager who hated Jews and had a Nazi tattoo in somewhere else other than this restaurant here in Delaware, what should be done when you find out that you're in bed with someone who's in bed with someone that you don't want to be in bed with? You have to address it depends on how much you actually value the conversation. I think everybody needs to make choices that are based, that are uncomfortable at times. And then there'll be a, a pain in the behind that are going to derail things that are going to cause issues that are going to make it hard for you that are going to make you have to be like, Oh my God, because that's the way of the world. Now, if you don't care and don't feel that these are your values and you want to just go about your business and make it the way that it's always been, then that's on you. That's your choice, and you're making one. So that's my, that's how I feel about it, because I think there's many times it's never going to be enough for enough people. I think for me, when it comes to like, it, it is so much harder to make decisions like this when you work for another company, right? When the leadership of that company has either very broad value systems, like let's talk about like or Google, the way that they, yeah, non-specific like, value systems. Yes. Yeah, so like Google, like let's talk Google because they've been going through a lot of stuff like where they're like, this is, they were very performative in a lot of the choices that they've made. Um, Spotify, same thing. They've been done, you know, they're very, they're, they do really awesome things when it comes to some stuff. And then there are these other parts that aren't really aligning. And as an employee, um, there's, you know, people have complained and, and there's, you know, you write to management and you kind of like organize, but it's, I think, a little bit harder to quit for a lot of folks because it's their livelihood and they have to do it, but they don't, but they continue to strive forward. And I'm yeah. sure they're, they're feeling out to move to other places, right? But if it's your thing, 
if it's your thing, then I think that that's a, that's a little bit harder because then you do ha- it's your job as a boss to make choices that are like this and say, okay, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know about this. Thanks. Maybe I'll make a different choice. Okay. The restaurant managers, I mean, clearly could have been a little bit more alarmed, but it is a free country. So like you can't stop people from saying things you don't like. Do you think that the merchandise company, A, knew, I mean, you know, merch stores are a print and go thing. Like, right. And there's not a person that reads every design and goes, fuck this. We're not going to print their t-shirt. Those are a bunch of assholes. Like it's a factory. So did that company do something wrong in taking the order, printing the order, sending the order? They didn't know they were going to use it to, I mean, that's beside the point. Right. But what I'm saying to you is that part of the big conversation argument right now is that it's that middle of the road, right? When you are a service provider, not middle of the road, that's the wrong term. When you're a service provider, should you be liable for what is created or put on your platform? Or is that something that's just open to everybody because that's it, right? So right now, the regulations that are coming out for a lot of different places, and especially on the internet, especially with what's happening right now with internet regulation, this is the question. Like the stuff is coming out, like things must be moderated. The end. And then there's the other aspect where it's like, no, you just put the stuff up and you just let it go. And that's the way it's always been because the internet is a free platform. It is where you do your stuff, right? And when it comes to you just being one person, I think that we do pay with our money, right? It's where you invest the money and where you don't invest the money. So we have the power when it comes to that. Patrick says free country is a dumb response, but, and you know, it is a dumb response for a lot of things, but in both cases, we are wanting companies to hold customers responsible for things they're not, the company is not aware of. No, well, that's what I'm saying, Jess, but it's your company. But if you have a big company, how are you supposed to know what everyone, you know, if you own a hotel, for example. If you own a hotel, how are you supposed to know that someone's running a prostitute ring out of three of the rooms? Like, how do you know? You don't. You can't. It's your company. And that's the issue here. It's your company. Yeah. The end. See, it's different than how are you supposed to know? It's how are you supposed to take care of it is a different argument than... It's free. It's it's a free country. Like anybody can do it. Anybody can use it because that's a stance. That's a value proposition right there. Uh, we believe in giving access to all the people, all voices, all the things on this platform. Right. Don't we? That's one thing. Yes. A different thing is how was I supposed to know they were going to do Okay. What, how was I supposed to know that this thing is anti-Semitic? I'm not, How was I supposed to know that? I'm not saying that there's no... Okay, if I were the owner of the merchandise company, I would probably shut... I mean, I guess I would shut down that account because they use the merchandise created at my establishment to commit treason. But besides treason, what would have to happen for me to shut down their account? Because, I mean, it is freedom of 
speech. You can't just decide who your customer is. I mean, you can try. There's another one that they just took down, I guess. Um, this was uh, actually not just. In December 12th, somebody created another account on this same place. Okay. On this same store that said, copying is not theft. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's what this company is, is a copy and paste machine for T-shirts. So my question is, do you think that the people that, that went to buy these or have these T-shirts made said to the place that they're having them made, hey, you know what? We need shirts to storm the Capitol. No, I'm sure it just said, make America great again. I understand that. But what I'm saying is that at that one point, it's not a problem. But once they storm the Capitol, now it has become a problem. So the, the, the poor person that did this had no idea what they were going to do with them. Oh, the person who bought the shirts? Okay, yes. A lot of people that bought those shirts, I'm sure, was were not in yeah. there with the guy with the horns and the <laughs> carrying out the pedestal. I mean, yeah, podium. insurrection is probably a hard thing to plan with detail, I'm guessing. But right. that's not the point. If I were the owner of the company who made the shirts and I saw a shirt that I made on television, I'd be very upset. But again, how – I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say except – in the case of the restaurant, I was just annoyed because nothing good could happen from that information, nor was it relevant to our current situation, I thought. And and the same thing in the group. This information is not relevant to her question, which is, what can we use? Well, I think part of the problem here, though, Jess, is that it is relevant. I think part of it is that we do, if for if we tout and if we lead with this value system, if you if we lead with this is what we stand for, then this is absolutely 100% relevant. Absolutely 100% relevant. Because if like somebody's like, here's my panel on how to make um, pizza at home and your panel only has, you know, five white guys. Right. But they're making pizza and we but go like, a... you have no women. Hey, you have no women on the panel. And then they're like, how is that relevant to this panel? OK, that's a specifically conscious decision. I'm talking about uh, things that are happening without the knowledge. It's not conscious to the person that put this panel about pizza together. They did not pay attention to it. It wasn't top of mind. They don't value that. It might have been unconscious bias. It might have been something they didn't see before we told them. Do you notice a little something different here? That's part of the process here is to make sure people see. Because when you see something, you cannot unsee it anymore. Right? Yes. I was actually just thinking about this. I sent, I sent you a picture of my, I know this is relevant. I sent you a picture of my new little desk area that I have mm. in the living room, which is lovely and beautiful. And I have myself like right by the window. Like that's, it's amazing. I love to look out the window. I love the sunshine. I felt so happy, so happy. And I was, I showed Randy and I was like, look, look at my thing. And he was like, this is great. It's so wonderful. And then he goes, it's so Elsie to be sitting so happy looking outside the window. And then directly across the street, there's like this it's kind of far away. I can barely see it. There's this like house that has these two giant poles. And one of them is like, it's got like the American or like the Confederate flag and a Trump flag. 
Mm-hmm. And I had never noticed. But now, yeah. every but time I look notice- out my window, I so- see a Trump flag and a Confederate flag. So Jenny says there's a certain debate if we don't share our beliefs online or we should share all our beliefs online. And honestly, that debate, I think, is separate from this because this is not about sharing our own beliefs. This is about do we kibosh other people whose beliefs are different from ours from using our products and services? And do we take a stand against companies who have not done that to our own liking? Right. I think that that's a much broader question there. Because also, I, like, yeah, yeah, I think everyone's going to decide for themselves whether or not they want to share their beliefs or don't. Right. And that could go on forever. But let's say you see that, you know, someone has shared a belief that you don't agree with, but you have a like legal contract that you have to do business with them until a certain time is over. Mm-hmm. Like, do you break the contract? There's no way you can break the contract without killing yourself. And like, I don't know. I just and also if it's something that the company didn't even do. Well, you can't. I don't think that that's. I think that that's a harder thing. I I'd rather stick to what you just mentioned before, where it's like that train of thought to me makes a lot. Uh, You're yeah. obligated to do business with someone whose beliefs you now know you don't agree with. That's an right. easier answer. I mean, it's not, but it's like... No, but it to some degree, and I understand, but you had also said something before. The second level of that is the level I'm stuck on, which is like the company doesn't believe or not believe, but their patrons, some are inevitably going to because that's life. The other thing too, though, is that there is a process, and this is what I've been sitting with along with many different things, is that in order for us as human beings... To be able to shift our perspective, our habits, our actions, it takes a lot of time. Taking it um, from a perspective of um, the mundane, let's talk about creating a habit of drinking more water. Let's just do it that way. It's pretty safe. We'll see. (laughs) Right? And then like to be able to, number one, understand that water is really, truly uh, something that is a tool for you. It's medicine for your body. And to really subscribe simply just to the fact that you can be dehydrated and it could cause horrible things to your body. If you don't begin that whole process of drinking more water by 100% going in to the fact that dehydration can really stop vital functions of your body, even at a, a, a minimal amount, you're not going to make that a para- like and you're not going to make it something that you want to change. And even just that is going to take you time. You're going to have to be doing research on water, making sure that you're understanding what hydration really does, how does water affect your body? Like it helps to do all of these different things, right? All of these layers of your body and it can really help you become a healthier human being just by that one thing. But we have to start with that process. And that's not like tomorrow I will be drinking eight ounces a day of eight glasses or blah, blah, because the doctor told me. Because you're not going to be in it. You're going to quit. You're not going to continue that because you're not invested in it. You don't I'm know I'm struggling enough. with this metaphor. Well, the, it's because that's the way the world, that's how you would deal with anti being an anti-racist person to recognize that fact that the anti-blackness actually exists in the world. Because if you do not address these things, the, these larger 
thoughts, you're not going to make it valuable for yourself. You're That's not going to invest in it. So what I'm saying to you is like, if you don't understand the way that dehydration affects your body at a, a cellular level and how it messes you up just because you're not drinking enough water, then you're not going to take the steps to make yourself a healthier person by drinking more water. Okay. I see That's where what you're I'm going. saying. I understand. Right? Uh, yes. But for whatever reason... Okay, so Jenny said a hotel in D.C. that had become a gathering place decided they didn't want to be associated with it, a gathering place for QAnon or whatever. So they closed the restaurant and they canceled all reservations. What if they found out after? Should they put out a public statement and apologize? What What should we have them do? What should we have the merchandise company do knowing that those T-shirts? I don't I know what they, they did. did put out so like did they? Some, something. I don't know. Is that what it takes for people to start doing business with them, though? Because, I mean, it's not like they were like, racists, come bring your t-shirts here. It won't for everybody. It depends on who you subscribe to. Now, I'm going to share a link. So it's a tweet. And this is um, this tweet I just saw this morning is by Daphne Keller. And she is a platform regulation director from Stanford Cyber Policy Center. And she was talking about everything that's going down right now with 230 reform, which is the online platform, deplatforming, internet regulation stuff that's happening right now and that Congress is putting forward. And I'm going to read some thoughts that she has on this specific thread with, I'm not going to show, give, you know, all the things that she's using to back up what she's saying, but it really brings this conversation to a head, not so much about the companies themselves, like specific people who are, you know, that you're paying for, but it, it's really intriguing. So she says, there is every reason to expect this over removal problem to have disparate impact on marginalized groups. Studies show patterns of bias from automated tools and logic suggests we should expect it from human moderators as well. And then she shares um, some studies about the disparate impact of from automated content moderation tools. Any CDA 230 reform legislation that introduces takedown obligations without attempting to grapple with this problem is, in my opinion, intellectually and morally unserious. That conspicuously includes the current you know, Mark Warner bill. Grappling with the problem would mean at minimum adopting the procedural protections for users that have been utterly standard in human rights literature and civil society discussion for a decade now. And what essentially she's saying is that the moderation of this that you're talking about, Jess, is for sure massive, an, a massive undertaking. And to be able to just say exactly like what is being stated to a lot of people, like automatic removal of things because the scale in which you have to regulate whatever that is, right? The takedowns of things and the um, and making sure that some stuff isn't making it out there is by far eventually going to be cloaked in our unconscious biases and in the way that things are actually uh, developed, even in terms of algorithmically, that is reflective of what's already hurting marginalized people out there. So it's not an easy quite it's not an easy solution at all. No, it it's not. Highly complicated. I think you should take responsibility for what happens on your watch or within your company, but and I agree with that. But what I'm saying is if you don't know about it, 
or if it happens in a chain restaurant somewhere else where it's, you know, like if somebody is discriminated against in, say, Texas, and you live in Boston, where that does not happen, certainly bring it up to them. I don't know. But I'm saying like, the the person answered. So like the patron who was the cause of the problem and who was being insulting, you know, they weren't asked to leave, but that's because the manager said they didn't hear them say anything bad. So it's like, well, what are you supposed to do if you don't hear it? Just throw people out based on the whim of a customer. That's also not going to happen. No, you're right. I get it. But I think that you're asking the right questions. And if I were like whatever of these companies, first you have to listen and then you're going to have to make corporate decisions where you're going to have to invest in time and resources to figure out how to deal with these things at minimum in a comms way, meaning that out like the PR that you're going to be putting forward, like blog posts at the ready, making sure that you have somebody address these issues right away, making sure that there's people that are emailing whoever is, you know, whatever responses or complaints they're getting via their support. Like that has to be an organized approach, strategy to be able to manage these conversations, particularly if you don't want to be known for, hey, that's where the thing is. If you want to get your, you know, insert whatever thing that it may possibly kill people stuff and be harmful to the majority of our human race, then use that company, right? If that's who you want to be, hey, you don't need to fix the PR, whatever. But other than that, you're going to have to deal with like uh, you internally as a company have to have these discussions. I'm sure this company's, um, you know, people who are working at there, the employees are not just sitting there going, Oh my God, I'm sh- I, I'm sure they're like, oh my God, did you see what's on the store? Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see? Have you told so-and-so who is their manager? Um, yeah, um, I, I brought it to their attention. And then they said, thank, they'll deal with it. And they haven't done it. I'm getting emails. What do you think we should do? Do you think that they're not go- doing that too? Wait, so Marion says, I missed the beginning of this conversation and I knew I shouldn't have jumped in. Now I see the specific message this conversation is about and it's much more clear than I thought. Gross. I'm just curious which part is gross. The person who, yeah, like the question was just about how to make merch and it ended up turning into like a, here's what this company does or did or didn't do. And they did apologize as Clara pointed out. They, you know, she has a link there where you can read their apology, but apparently. She might not be even referring to that. But at the same time though, I mean, what I'm saying is that there is a much larger complicated issue that I do feel is imperative for companies to deal on their own, on their own, to be able to make decisions so that they can empower those people that are working for them to have an experience of working in a great place, in a place that feels good to them, and also not be like, not know what to say and not to be able to put stuff around. And is it enough to have apologies go out and then do the same thing again? I felt like in the situation with my son that the person was trying to piss all over what was already being planned for no good reason, that she found something disparaging about the company we were going to do business with and shared it after the fact with no clear resolution, just in the spirit of letting everyone know what's happening. 
And I don't think that's necessary. In the case of the message they're talking about in our group, that's a totally different thing. Saw what was printed on those shirts and they apologized immediately and took it down. It was a disgusting, revolting t-shirt. Yeah, but at the same time though, Jess, again, what we're saying here, it is a by far, I think, a company culture kind of thing. And if you va- and that's when you start to make a decision. These folks here lead from this place. These folks are proactive and they take care of this stuff. These folks here, if somebody calls attention to it, awesome. But anything goes. And maybe nobody will notice. Because at this point in time, the majority of companies out there are like, did you see what's on our platform? I hope nobody sees. That's really the, the, right, the scope of what's happening right now with a lot of stuff. It's a horrible time to be in business right now because it, there's two d- defined sides and they're very angry with each other. And you, you're trying to – I forget what someone said something about why won't they take a stance against this? And then that person said because the other side buys this too. Why am I going to make half of my customer base mad by my personal opinion? Right. But I think part of it here, though, is, again, it goes back to mission and vision and values as a company. If that is your personal value, then go for it and live it and expand it and make sure everybody that steps through your door recognizes and sees that right away. But if you step forward and say, this is what we're about, and then your actions in the way that you handle your business are not reflective of that, that's a different thing, right? Again, you can say whatever you want out in the world, but if you step into my business I have every right to not allow you to be there. That's true. So it's it's really, it's about how you step forward into the world. And I think that leading with that is that one thing. Now that said though, I personally was not raised, nor do I have a culture of social justice warriorism in my family. Like that's not a thing. It's never been a thing. I mean, in all honesty, it was like, Nobody ever spoke politics around us. That was never a conversation. I came into this whole like advocacy thing later on in my life simply because I think it's because I'm an Aquarian, but that may be not the right reason. (laughs) But alas, I stepped into it from a very different perspective. And so I still have to grapple with being in a world that is constantly Coming at things, right? And I don't know how to handle it because that's never been my experience. It's like, yeah, it's not the world I ever lived in. Yeah. And that's a privilege that I've had because, again, I was raised in essentially a colonized country. And again, I had the privilege of my parents and my family being white presenting and also showing socially economic status that was higher than the majority of people I lived around. We had maids in El Salvador. All of our homes had maids. So people came to work. That was that, mind you, this doesn't mean has the same. Because you um, looked white. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes. But uh, what I'm saying to you is that in El Salvador, where I was raised, There is a very distinct class difference that is not here in the United States. 
It's a class difference. And there is colorism, meaning the lighter you are, the more bonus points you get. But what I'm saying is that in the culture itself, there were people who had maids and there were the maids. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing in between. So, and then you either had a beautiful house or you were living with a cardboard on it in a cardboard box. Right. That's it. We weren't living in a cardboard box. Mm-hmm. My parents, my grandparents, all of them were educated. So what I'm saying to you is that we had it great. And every time I asked the question, when I said, like, what about what about those folks? You know what the response I got from my family was? Oh, they're happy. They're happy. They want to be where they are. That's what they said to me. And I was like, oh, they're happy. And I literally believed it. They're happy. Yeah, it looks like a good time on that side of the tracks, doesn't it? Yeah, and so so what I'm saying to you is like my thought, even as I got into my 20s, was always like, you don't understand. The poor people are happy. They're happy to be in their cardboard boxes. And they're happy. And I was like, where the... I never even questioned that. It took me years to understand I mean, because the world tells you what you want it to tell you. So, or you just it, don't question. You know, or you don't question. No, I had no other, like, I was like, what do you question. mean? Totally. So, anyway, coming to this country, you know, opened my eyes in so many different ways. All I'm saying is that we reflect where we are. And I think for me, being uncomfortable in a place where everybody's always fighting about stuff, I've had to get comfortable with it. I've had to figure out what my stance is. I've also had to be mindful of like what fights I want to get into and which Mm -hmm. ones I'm going to step over here and what part of me like feels like what advocacy really looks like. And I think that sometimes social media screaming and yelling doesn't do as much as you having a meeting with your managers, with your bosses, with your team and sitting them down and saying, "These are, this is what we're going to do together. These are the steps that we're going to take. This is the language that we're going to use. And help them help everybody else versus just going on and screaming and yelling out there. Because it's a much harder thing to have a one-person conversation with somebody else and really being like, you know what? Those words that you use, that's not appropriate. That's not what we're going to be using today. And if they come back at you, then you go, okay, let's have a, we obviously need a training here. We obviously need to have a group meeting, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's harder than if you just go like, rah, 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 and then just type and then let it go. It's tricky. Yeah. Anyway. It's an easy cut and dry when you are aware of what's happening in your own company and you can put a stop to it. Yeah. But if you're not, or if it's too late... Or if you, like I said, already, or or if you as a patron find out about this after you've already made commitments, it gets much trickier. It's not as cut and dry, I don't think. And it's, you know, in the, I know that there's like that kind of a thought in the health and in the health and wellness industry, not to do with like racism and things like that, but mostly with the um, shame that comes from not eating organic food. Do you know where that chicken came from? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that eggs, you know how they were, you know, and there's like all of this, like, (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's like if you buy an egg, did you, did you read the carton? Did it say this type of a thing versus that type of a thing? And then you're like, holy shit. Like there was a point where 
And it actually starts to really affect, I didn't know that this was a thing too, Jess. There was a point in my life where I didn't even know what to eat because I was so self-conscious of like making the wrong choice about my body that there's another thing called, it's not called anorexia. It's called something else. Somebody help me in the comments. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. It is it is not anorexia in the sense of like you don't eat the food because you're controlling yourself. You actually stop eating the food because it's not the right food. It's not the mm-hmm. That's a thing. It's yeah, it's a there's a thing. There's a thing. I didn't even when I found out that that was the name of it, I was like, <gasps> that's what I was I started to develop habits around that and I realized, holy shit, this is not healthy yeah. because I was stopping myself from eating because mm. it was not Right. The right culturally appropriate and organic and good for you and it didn't have any chemicals and it didn't have all the preservatives and it all of that stuff so it was actually causing me harm yeah and i feel that's what tends to happen now it's like going to a place where Every choice you make, you're not making any choices and it's ultimately, or maybe you're making too many of the not the best ones and it's harming you and your family at deeper levels. Orthorexia. Let's see. I knew Clara was going to come. Is that it? Orthorexia. I love it. Let's look it up. Let's see. It might be. I think it might be But I love that she knows it. Orthorexia. Yes, it is. That's what it is. It's orthorexia. That's right. The first time that I saw that term, I literally was like, I think that I'm developing some patterns that are based on this and this is not okay. And it made me think about it. So anyway. Same thing happened to me with insulin resistant. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's it. That's what I have. Oh, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't even know. Well, that's... That's a but story anyway, for another show. Thank you, Clara Harris. Thank you so much. We're going to have a link in the show notes. We have to get that because that is the right term. And I think that there's something to be said about, you know, sometimes we get obsessive and we get compulsive about good things and we end up causing a deeper harm. So, anywho, should we talk about podcasting or are we just not going to today? I was just going to ask you the exact same because, question. Oh, my God. We have Stacy Sims. We have Stacy Sims as our sponsor of this episode. Well, we definitely have to discuss Miss Stacy. So, yes. yes. So, Stacy Sims, the sponsorship queen extraordinaire who has profited from her podcast since day one. She has a show called Diabetes Connections and she has been doing it for five years. She has no sales experience or a business degree, but she has been selling ads with her show and she makes more that way than she did as a TV health reporter. So now she is passing on what she does for free. So if you join the webinar and the link should be at the bottom here, it's shepodcast.com forward slash sims. S-I-M-M-S, S-I-M-M-S, shepodcast.com forward slash S-I-M-M-S. Sign up, find out what you're really selling because it's not your show content. And I totally agree with that. Get the truth about how many downloads your podcast needs, which by the way, hers is not the type of show because, you know, only so many people have diabetes or care for people with diabetes. So it's not like it's 20,000 people a week. It's modest and humble, but she still makes a good amount of cash. Um, find out how to find sponsors and consider all the ethical things that you want to consider um, before you start selling your show. So if you've just launched 
or you're experienced, this webinar is for everyone who wants to make more money podcasting. So check it out. Shepodcast.com forward slash S-I-M-M-S. By the way, if you're listening to this right when it came out, you got to do it right now because the webinar is February 17th. So don't delay. Go sign up today. Yeah, we love Stacy Sims is one of those people like, you know how there's lots of folks out there that are teaching how to make money podcasting and they've just seen what's worked or all of those things. Stacy has actually really worked very, very hard to make the money that she's making and she's hustled her butts off. Her butts yep. off. She's got sure, more than all one butt. Three butts. All three butts. <laughs> but she's developed a system that really works for her. And part of it is that um, she actually has made it work and she's making a living off of this, folks. This isn't, I mean, she really is managing it and Whole selling her show out. Uh, yeah, for sure. So if you're going to invest in her, I would 100% do it. I am so happy to be her sponsor because I 100% believe on, in what she's doing. So anywho. All right. So we're. how about we do one podcasting story? Okay. So here we go. All right. So let's go ahead and take some news. The news you can use for the informed podcaster. Podcasting news. So here we go. The headline Spotify secures horrifying patent to monitor user speech. Spotify wants to know your emotional state, gender, age, or accent. If you listen to Spotify soon enough, Spotify is going to start listening to you. This platform has secured a patent to monitor the background noise and speech of its users. The big green circle first filed a patent for its identification of taste attributes from an audio signal in February 2018 and finally received approval on January 12th of this year. The goal is to gauge the listener's emotional state, gender, age, or accent in order to recommend new music. Wow, they are getting specific. (laughs) I mean, like real specific. Spotify wants to keep tabs on your intonation, stress, rhythm, and the likes of units of speech in order to know if you're feeling happy, angry, sad, or neutral. That is a lot of assumptions. No, but then they also say that it'll monitor environmental metadata using sounds from vehicles on a street, other people talking, birds chirping, and order in order to further customize their recommendations. Right? Right. And they seem, it says, weirdly obsessed with your genitals. The word gender appears over and over. Part of the patent includes gender recognition system (gasps) that can be used to extract the gender-related information from a speech signal. I mean, that's not even relevant because I know a lot of guys who will, in private, listen to Britney Spears all day. And, And gender has nothing to do with it or sexuality. After all, it would be terrible to listen to good music if a streaming platform thinks it's intended for someone with a different gender identity. I mean, I think that's sarcasm. So, yeah, they want to know all the things just so they can recommend the right music for you. I will say this. Using Spotify, they are always dead on about what stuff they can recommend to me. And I'm pretty sure they don't need this patent because every time I listen to something and they're like, well, you should like this. Or if I'm making a playlist... They almost always go, hey, this playlist seems like it should have this person, this person, this person. I'm like, yup, 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 every time. So I'm not sure they need this kind of thing, but they really want to know 
They don't need to know any of this, I don't think, in order to get the information they want. I think this – if this comes out, I really think Spotify – people are going to flee Spotify like they did the Titanic. Have people fleed Amazon? But they're not listening. They are listening. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to hear the word Alexa. They are listening all the time. Oh, that's right. Here's the crazy thing. I mean you they're, and they're not writing it down. Right now, just think about how many times you're on camera in a, in a day when you're out doing things. And now they're going to be listening to you too. I just it, yeah. it, it really gives me the creeps. It makes me want to unplug sure. my all my devices in here and take my phone and have the Siri removed. But then how can I spell? Like I live on a busy street. Are they going to assume I'm a New Yorker and start sending me ads for Broadway shit? Like that's just weird. So – you know what? There's, so there's another link here that I'm reading about. It's the other link because I put these two together because they kind of match. So there's another article okay. on, chi- on China where it says right. the name of the article is China is home to a growing market for dubious oh, emotion yes. recognition technology, which is exactly the same as the Spotify thing. But they're doing it sort of like looking at your face for whatever reason to tell you how you feel. Junk science. It calls, but it calls it part of it, science. though. I love that. So here's part of the article and it says this. It says a 2019 meta-analysis that looked at over 1,000 studies on emotion recognition found that it's not possible to confidently infer happiness from a smile, anger from a scowl, or sadness from a frown as uh, as much of current technology tries to do when applying what are mistakenly believed to be scientific facts. In other words, using facial expressions to determine someone's attention, level, motivation, or trustworthiness, all things emotion recognition companies purport to do, simply isn't achievable. Now, mind you, that is just showing your face, right? But with a voice, can you imagine trying to discern whether somebody, like, I've been screaming this entire episode, essentially, very loudly. And I often do that with my children. That doesn't necessarily say that I am sad or angry. In fact, I'm just screaming. And there's many people who just (laughs) scream. (laughs) Who just are really loud and scary. Those people used to live in a hospital, but now they don't. (laughs) Hey, listen, guilty as charged. I do the same thing. I think you get more – I think you get more of a – and I'm going to use a poker term, a tell, which means you can – you get more information from audio than you do from visual, although you do you use both. We're trained yeah, from, from a kid to use both. For sure. But it's like, I mean, Rand, when Randy starts to get very passionate, it sounds like he is like screaming at – but he's not. He's just serious. He's very much like – Passionate. Yeah, and and like me. So can you imagine us talking? It's just like, what is happening? And it's like we're not – angry we're not arguing it's just you're amped we're amped all the time and so that doesn't necessarily reflect like an angry thing yeah yeah actually scott and i are like that too go ahead it's funny so my whole family's like that we're very loud we're very boisterous we talk and if you ever had somebody come over like a friend that's household is maybe a little tuned down and they come over and they when they get done they're like oh I can't, you know, they come over for a meal or something and they're like, oh, I, are you a guy okay? And you're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, my sister moved to Atlanta, Georgia from New Jersey and they wanted to put her on medication because from this area, we're very boisterous, we're very loud. They wanted to calm her down. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, again, it, it can also be geographical. Come yeah. to think of it. It can also be relationship. Like Scott and I, like if we bicker, which is not that often, like I can get pretty noisy. But then five minutes later, I'm like, can I help you with anything? Do you need, you know, like, but like the other night he kept talking. I told Elsie, imagine if that was happening the other night. I told Elsie, he was just kept, he was frustrated with himself about something he did wrong. Right. And I guess he, you know, kept apologizing and apologizing. And I was just like, you have to stop this. And he was like, no, but I just need her to understand that I didn't mean to. And I didn't mean to. And I'm like, she's going to understand, but you have got to stop talking about it. And then finally it ended with me screaming, you're torturing me. Stop (laughs) saying it already. Stop saying it. Like, (laughs) and then I ran out of the room. (laughs) I ran out of the room. I'm like, my ears are bleeding. And I ran away. Like, what can you imagine? Like, China being like, this bitch is crazy. (laughs) Well, all the time she's crazy. What if they overheard this right now? What if it was right here overhearing our show? It would think I was some kind of psycho, like, I mean, I'm much more animated talking to you guys because it's good TV or whatever, you know? I mean, in all honesty, I think that the reason that all this crap is coming through is because they just want to make money. I mean, I don't know about China. I think China doesn't really, that's not what they're doing. But with Spotify. Of course that's why. I know that's why. I'm all, aware of that. Of course, but it's, but I think that this is the problem that we're getting to when it comes to the podcasting space, that everything right now is leaning towards how do we make more money? And even though, even though everyone can benefit from this because as one platform develops algorithms to prop to optimally uh, monetize whether whether sponsorship or whatever, it could inform the little people, right? The ones that are doing us by our, by ourselves, so that we can sell our own content. I understand that this could actually reflect better on us. But I don't trust that because I think the, the they're making choices that are based on the corporate entities, but they're not really addressing the needs of us for the most part. So it's going to just further the conglomerate of the where the money is pooling at this moment. So I just think it's bonkers. It takes me back to the statement where if you're not paying for the service, you are the service. So in other words, if you're not paying for spotify then they're going to use the information they gathered from you to sell to somebody if you're not paying for the product you are the product and that's kind of where it seems like everything that comes out that sounds like a great idea eventually gets turned to evil i don't know why that is it just seems to be money that's why Mm. money 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 if you're a star trek fan which i am i am you know that like Star Trek, when they reflect back on Earth and this time period, they call it, you know, they call it like a money driven society, which they don't have anymore. It's completely foreign to them that we are being, you know, managed by and and influenced by and motivated by money. And actually that there's a another alien culture that is. You know, their whole culture surrounds uh, is about profit. And like, instead of having the Ten Commandments, they have like the rules of acquisition. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And the rules of acquisition is like never net someone dressed better than you and like stuff like that. You you know, you should always be dressed better than the person you're selling to that kind of stuff. Like, it's just every rule is about how to make profit. You have to make profit. Women are not allowed to make profit. It's it's fascinating. Anyway, the point is. Was it Clubhouse? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the point is, 
it gives you a chance to like be outside your body and watch yourself in right. some ways. Like, and I see that like that would make no sense to someone who wasn't for, like, why money? It gives you nothing. It enhances nothing. It provides nothing. It's conceptual only. And yet everything we do is driven by it. Everything. That's mm-hmm. why when you say, why does everything turn to evil? This is why. Because our value system is money over quality of life. Well, like Star Trek, once we get those replicators where we can have lunch, That's dinner true. replicated, you know, we can just go over and say, Earl Grey, hot, yeah. then <laughs> maybe we won't need money anymore. It's true that there are some things on Star Trek that would solve all these problems that can never exist, like machines that can just materialize food. Because that is why they're not motivated by money anymore is because they can just go, I'll have spaghetti and meatballs, please. And they just give it to you. Well, I know that Jess and I are big fans of uh, the show. I can't think of it now. The one with Seth MacFarlane. The Orville. The Orville. And they had that one episode where they they found a replicator. They were starving. They found a replicator. They got it. They plugged it in. They turned it on. They go, what do you want? What do you want? And the guy goes, a Twinkie. And they look at each other like, a Twinkie? Really? A Twinkie? Oh, my yeah. God. But, I mean, that so does solve a lot of problems, but that can't possibly exist. Anyway, we could go on about this for days. Anyway, the point is um, – oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick says, it's weird that in this new non-binary LGBTQIA no world that they would focus on gender. I thought that was weird, too. But they did apply for the patent two years ago. And I'm not saying that – I mean, I'm saying that, you know, every year we become more strongly – aware of how wrong all these different things are so like even though they should have known back then as well like i don't remember what i i mean i've always thought the same things but like i don't know culturally where we were three years ago but i do think it's weird as well however like i could see as a company which are usually culturally much further behind than the general population uh, why they would be focused on that in a patent to just explain what it is they're looking for i mean they the whole purpose of a patent is to tell the government what you're doing. Right. And like they didn't exactly say like we want to know who they are so we can tell them what they want. So they just said we're trying to find out this information and they left it at that. I mean, I don't, yeah, you're right. It is weird that they kept saying I must know what gender they are and not, you know, I need to know their likes and dislikes. But you also don't know when they said I must know what their g- gender they are. I don't think that they were speaking specifically of in a of male bi- or female. That's yeah. true. Yeah, in the binary. So maybe part of it is listening to voices so that they can get a more. Yeah, maybe they want to know who's non-binary and they yeah, want to know who's. Just a broad, like what that Transitioning. Like. And they yeah. want to know. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, maybe they want to know who's homosexual and heterosexual so they can, you know, if they find out you're homosexual, they can start serving up homosexual oh, no. icons, right? And if they are heterosexual, they'll start giving you what? Leonard Skinner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. Oh my god! I'm just saying. All right. I think that as, they, as long as they don't block me from listening <sighs> to Britney Spears, I'm okay with it. Patrick says interesting. I'm just saying they didn't say it. Ha- you have to be male or female. They right. just said they, they just, were interested in gender. Focusing on gender. Yeah. Why aren't they interested in race? That would also be an indication. You know, you I can just know. give white people I mean, Rick Astley. I I honestly can't. I can't. <laughs> you can just give Rick white people Rick Astley. Yeah, Barry Manilow, Elvis, and Johnny Cash. <laughs> I'd listen to that. I mean, I don't listen to any of that shit, but like, it's just funny that. Oh my God. You, know, you could do a lot with that. Bomboleo. Bomboleo. <laughs> what does I'm that just, even have to do with if it? If they find out you're Hispanic, 
That's what they play for you. They suggest no, they Ricky don't. Martin. That's horrible. That is they, a horrible <laughs> assumption. That is something in the American. That's only an American thing. Those. I know. That's why I said it. I know. That's why I said it. I love Shakira and I and Ricky Martin and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, those it's because they made it in the U.S. No, but I listen to Latin. I have a playlist of Latin party party music. It's really fun. It's a great playlist oh come on next up wilson talk. it's like yeah no i mean it's sort of like categorize everyone by their music really what they're saying is we want to categorize everyone by every song they listen to which is absolutely asinine they would categorize me as a six-year-old boy who listens to like music from nintendo that's what i listen to right now is like music from nintendo peter and the wolf and like you know i mean it's ridiculous anyway all right all right all right right. i think we're done let's end it talking forever now Let's end it. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. As long and promising as it was, I hope we delivered something. Something worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting topic. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to She Podcast today. If you want to see our show notes and all the links we talked about today, go to ShePodcast.com. You can also find us on social at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at She Podcast. Don't forget to check out Stacy's free webinar about how to make money with your podcast. It is ShePodcast.com forward slash Sims, S-I-M-M-S. And you can sign up for free and you should do it when you hear this because it's going to be... Um, over all the webinars will be done on the 21st of February. So check that out right now. Speaking of webinars, though, before we finish off, I do want to give a shout out to one of my friends that is also having a webinar. And yes. those of you who are listening will probably have missed it, but you could still sign in. All right. So for those of you who are interested and are watching here, you can actually sign up for Surviving the Pod Fade. For Surviving the Pod Fade. And it is how to jumpstart your podcast and you learn how to key steps to save your podcast from pod fade, the complete 20 episode production framework, a proven sustainable creator process, and discovering the production mindset. So John, I'm going to give you the link so that you could put it in the show in in there um, for me. That would be awesome. Oh, that's not it. That's the National Eating Disorders. Learn how to eating disorders. <laughs> Yeah, don't go to that one. You'll be very that disappointed. Is, that is Oops. not where you learn how to not pod fade. That's where you learn how to not fade your body. <laughs> right. That's where you learn how to right, eat right, macaroni right. and cheese again. Yeah. And so, but alas, thank you. If you guys want to sign up, it's actually on the 20th, not the 20th, on the 10th. So it's tomorrow. But for those of you who are listening afterwards, you can sign up. The link is in the show notes. Sweet. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Mean it. Bye.